Okay, we're back. We're back with Sam from Sturdy Finance. Uh, Sam, it's good to have you back. Uh, we spoke, sure, like two months ago, just under two months, six weeks ago, about what you guys were doing. So if you haven't seen the interview with Sam, hit the link. Uh, managed to drag Grant in this morning as well. Thanks, Grant, for joining us. Uh, Sam, it's good to have you. Um, so what's been happening What's yeah? You guys were were doing a whole lot of stuff, and you 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 made some announcements. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's been a super busy six weeks for us. Um, one of the big things we announced is our airdrop, uh, mainly to sturdy users, but also to users of some other partner projects like Yearn or uh, Degen Score uh, and Convex. So we're super excited about that. Um, that was one really big thing uh, we announced. We also released our new UI right now in beta. You can find it at beta.sturdy.finance. Uh, it's like way more responsive, has a lot more historical information to help users better understand how Sturdy works uh, and kind of the historical rates that we've had. And then the third thing that we announced was our upcoming ETH market, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but uh, we're really excited about basically adding an entire new uh, instance of the protocol right now, just uh, involving stable coins, but this one for ETH lending and leveraging. So yeah, those are kind of the three big things that we've been up to uh, over the past six weeks. Nice. You guys haven't stopped then. <laughs> Bull market, bear market, we're back market. You guys just continue to ship product. Yeah, even over the holidays, there was a, a little stuff too, but you know, hopefully... Um, it, as you said, like it, things seem to be kicking up. So uh, hopefully, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. Awesome. So I, I suppose with um, where what immediately kind of sprung to mind. Obviously, there'd be a lot of people listening about the airdrop, but I really want to get into what's on kind of front of mind for a lot of people in the industry at the minute with the whole liquid staking derivatives, LSDs, as people kind of shorten them to. Um, what's What's your opinion going into Shanghai Fork and how, how does that affect you guys? Because obviously if you're going to have um, LSD vaults and looping through Sturdy Finance, um, I think that's a really great product that a lot of people could use. But I suppose from a more kind of high level and then we can dig into how it's going to be used. How, how are you guys thinking about what's going to happen going into Shanghai and then and post Shanghai as well? Yeah, I think one thing that I expect is for staking yields to go down considerably. I think that pushing high staking becomes considerably less risky uh, and much more liquid now that you'll be able to withdraw your staked ETH. Um, that said, I think the flip side of that is that I expect LP yields to go up. So let's say you're LPing the ETH ST ETH pool on Convex or Aura or somewhere like that. I expect those yields to go up um, for a couple of reasons. The main one being that I think the competition is going to get a lot more fierce. You've seen Frax uh, throw their hat in the ring, Rocket Pool growing, um, you know, Coinbase as well. And so uh, I think now with Shanghai sort of leveling the playing field to some extent, I expect some of these other products that have kind of been in the shadow of Lido to really pick that up uh, and to see kind of a, a little battle there break out for liquidity. Um, and I guess maybe to jump into your second point, right? How does that affect Sturdy? For context, for the folks who, who didn't see our first interview, you could think of Sturdy as a lending protocol, kind of like Aave, um, but we specialize in using interest-bearing assets as collateral. 
especially uh, like convex LPs or LPs. So you can 10 extra yields on those platforms using Sturdy. Um, so, so that's just like a little bit of context there. Um, and to tie that into the LSDs, we're very soon going to open up an ETH market where users can deposit ETH uh, and just earn yield on that. And then on the other side, you'll have borrowers who can't farm uh, by depositing like a convex LPS collateral, borrowing ETH against that and levering up. So basically they're going uh, like long LSD or like LSD LP token, short ETH um, and, and really multiply their staking yields there. And so that's why um, we think that this decrease in staking yield, but increase in yield for the uh, LSD LPs is actually going to be great for sturdy users in this upcoming market that we're working on. Yeah, you couldn't couldn't find a a better relevant product product market fit for those markets as well. That's um that's super super interesting. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree as well with the kind of battle with regards to who's which um liquid staking derivative or uh, pegged asset on ETH is, is actually going to come out on top. Lido obviously doing great work. I think Coinbase have probably got um, a good leg up being able to kind of effectively two-click within the app. Um, but there is also kind of blacklist function built into CBE as well, so for people to be aware of. Frax has been on a tear. <laughs> I think it's the strongest performing asset of the last the last week. Um so this whole landscape is really, really going to eat up. And I suppose the marketplace is where those assets can then be put to work with regards to the self, like you guys at Sturdy, being able to get um, additional yield through the kind of looping functions that you guys can offer. People could look further afield at Curve, Convex, or a Balancer. So um, the guys that are providing the infrastructure to put these assets to work, I think are going to do really, really well um, pre and post uh, Shanghai, in my opinion. I was going to ask you both a question. What is the, what do you think the sentiment is going to be from a market perspective post Shanghai? Are we going to have a solid news event or is this something that will have momentum to follow through well into the end of 2023? Uh, Sam, you can go first. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, that's tough. Um, you know, I, I think uh, that you'll definitely continue to see some momentum for LSDs. I think, one of the big changes you'll see is just more ubiquity in the use of LSDs across DeFi. Um, so, you know, you're starting to see them used as collateral. Obviously, with Sturdy, you'll be able to use them and their uh, LP tokens as collateral. But even for, like, you know, the largest uh, DEXs, right? Like, let's say the um, ETH die pool or something on Uniswap, there's really no reason why it wouldn't make sense to have, like, an ST ETH die swap, which is just more advantageous for LPs, they can earn additional yield, uh, you know, deepens liquidity, and then that's advantageous for traders, and you just get that flywheel going. So I think that is one big change you'll see post Shanghai, just more ubiquity of LSDs kind of superseding um, ETH and DeFi. Uh, I think like how long that lasts is hard to say. Um, and in many ways, it's just a function of what else is going on, what else is there on the Ethereum roadmap to look forward to. Okay. Grant, what yeah. do you think? I think um, similar to how we kind of seen assets that had the the merge narrative baked into them and that were kind of strong on that performance, like the likes of your, um, I don't know, Manifold did extremely well. 
trying to remember now there's quite quite a lot of arbitrum projects came came and did, did, did really well anything that's kind of baked into that narrative um they did they did sell off but probably caught a lot of macro participants offside um there were like a larger macro headwinds at that point in time as well but it's just always that something that kind of stood out we didn't exactly go into go into the actual merge happening with a kind of real um suppose local blow off top if you want to call it that um but i'd probably expect something similar to happen again with regards to just just on the price action front but i suppose the utility and the underlying use of protocols that can be advantageous to um the shanghai upgrade happening will still then begin to gain an, an awful lot of traction awful lot of volume an awful lot of new users as well so i think from a if you're looking at a purely speculative nature probably will see a, a bit of a sell-off because new narratives emerge every week in this space but um from a usage and um actual fundamental perspective i think it's it's 100 positive yeah i think it's gonna i think we're gonna see there's always going to be some kind of a sell in use but i think it does have you know the, the foundation for continuity um and i think it's going to be a lot stronger than 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 we're going to expect you know from a solid news perspective uh my market calls have been pretty terrible so don't go <laughs> don't go betting any money on this one um but let's see it's going to be really interesting to see how shanghai plays out and you know obviously the role that sturdy's playing um just something that really impressed me as well sam is that you guys have managed to increase the tvl um i think the market's been really positive obviously the last it's going into the second week now um and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down so so well done for that i mean you guys are almost at 27 million uh i mean you you guys didn't release a token and you still managed to to get it just under 25 when we last spoke and it just seems to be going stronger and stronger quite a few people that i bumped into over the last three or four weeks have spoken about you guys you know it just kind of like came up and you know have you seen what studio doing like really good yield so you're obviously doing something right there's there's a bit of there's a bit of awareness that's coming through where people are actually looking for for good yields you know whereas six months ago there wasn't even a consideration around that just like you know how do we like get in early on something that's kind of like going crazy and then get out with a 1.2 percent gain you know it's that's just how mercenary the whole space has become well was and it seems like that sentiment's changing a little bit um and clearly you guys are capitalizing on that so um just before the interview we you you mentioned something about um chicken bonds tell us about that what is that um what does it involve yeah so chicken bonds are like crazy complicated um and so i, <laughs> I don't want to get too much into it because i'll inevitably say something wrong uh, you should definitely, um, I recommend like so the liquidity team is awesome. Uh, and yeah, that they're, we've been talking to them a bunch and I'd recommend that you guys, uh, consider having them on too. Um, okay. but yeah, basically chicken bonds, uh, are a product of liquidity, liquidity, you know, like LUSD decentralized stablecoin, Um, and the yields on that have been crazy strong. Um, it's called BLUSD, uh, and sturdy is going to support it as collateral in the near future. Um, probably, uh, in late February or March is my best guess. Um, and yeah, like all the other assets, you'll be able to lever up on them. So 
right now you can earn uh, like 8%, I think just on naked BLUSD and then a little bit more on the like convex LP. And uh, you'll be able to use that as collateral, lever up on it. And um, yeah, it's like relatively safe depending on how you uh, kind of price it. And um, yeah, again, I don't want to get too much into it because it's like one of the most complex uh, <laughs> products in DeFi at the moment. But um, we think that like on a risk adjusted basis is really solid. Uh, and it's probably going to be the highest yielding asset that gets supported on Sturdy as collateral to date. Yeah, it's um, it's a great it's a great product. I think we should probably reach out and try and get those guys on. We should probably be covering chicken bonds as well, just like an, a new emerging area of the industry that could do well to be distilled down into kind of everyday language, if that's even possible. Because as you say, it is extremely complex. But we should try and at least attempt it. I think for people, um, just to try and get that kind of product out there. I know it's doing extremely well, but and even even LUSD. I mean kind of flew under the radar for a while, but now every, after everything that's happened through Tornado Cash sanctions from USDC, Tether, occasional blacklist wallets uh, and things like that. And then um, obviously the USD <laughs> fiasco that happened. LUSD is um, slowly gaining credibility, um, popularity, and just bringing out additional use cases, which is obviously much needed when you're trying to scale the stablecoin of that nature. So um, I think those, I think implementing the, uh, is it B, BLUSD you're going to, you guys are going to have? Yeah, likely BLUSD uh, as well as the LP token on yeah. Convex, which, um, yeah, it's super interesting. Like there's, when you uh, chicken out, I think it is, uh, all of like that yield goes into the, the LP token. And so there, there's, <laughs> It's beyond just what you expect from like a normal LP. There's a bunch of additional yield too from their unique mechanics. Yeah, I see. But with the kind of with the LP token, the BLUSD token, when that got deployed on Curve, there was some. I want to say like something ridiculous, like sixty percent in open incentives in the form of LUSD, which I thought was really interesting. Um, as a mechanism to actually incentivize additional liquidity to be posited. But instead of paying in a kind of native governance token, you're actually getting paid in this, uh, in LUSD, which I thought was a something I'm pretty sure it has been done before, but I, I'd never personally seen it. So I thought that was a really cool way of getting kind of TVL and um, depth of liquidity in there. Because they're obviously trying to push it and they need that TVL to be enable the depth of liquidity. So um, I think that's dried up a little bit now, but as you say, 6 to 8% is what, the last time I checked, so great yield. And if it plugged into plugged into you guys with um, leverage, then I think you're going to be looking at some really, really tasty kind of um, returns. There. Yeah, the cool thing about that incentive you mentioned, the LUSDs, it's organic too. Like it's from users chickening out it and more or less paying that. Um, so absolutely, like I, I think you know that's kind of consistent. It's not like they're just printing a governance token or anything like that. Uh, and, and yeah, as you said, I, I would expect if the yields stay where they are that, um, you know, you could see as high as like 50% uh, APY at max leverage on Sturdy. Um, and that's at like a 90% LTV, which um, could potentially be raised over time as the liquidity gets deeper and it's more battle tested. But the great thing about a product like that is because it's um, permissionless and uh, there's no like it's not upgradable. 
um, is that it totally changes the, the risk assessment and makes it much less risky. And so potentially over a long enough time frame, you could see even higher um, you know, minimum LTVs required on that sort of asset. Yeah. Yeah. And um, with, with regards to this study at scale, um, with regards to the leverage and the effectively the, the looping feature is, how, how do you guys manage to kind of scale that? Is it just trying to drum up enough interest to have a great product to encourage people to deposit with the yields? Because I suppose the looping feature is kind of restricted by how much liquidity is it actually in, in the system and how much TVL is in the system. Um, I always remember <laughs> the MIM replenishers bot <laughs> that was on Abracadabra. And as soon as there was like a, a pool that um, people wanted to enter, it was effectively you looked at it a minute later and it was completely, it was all taken. But um, how, how do you guys kind of envisage that scaling and to allow people to have as much leverage in the system as physically possible? Does don't want to get too much into token, but does can the token play a, a part in that? Or how do, how do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point, this is probably the hardest part about building without a token, which is with the situation we've been in since we launched on mainnet back in June. Um, really, the way it's gone to date is just a slow grind up where you'll have users borrowing uh, a, you know, a portion of the assets they're providing as collateral. Um, those are like generating yield and a portion of that yield goes to the lenders who are providing liquidity, right? So you kind of have like this uh, step function where things are going slowly. But the issue is that like at the you know current time, you can earn about 5% for depositing stables um, and, and maybe like 20% for uh, like farming at max leverage. There are a lot of users who find that attractive, but maybe they're uh, at minimum, they want to deposit amount that's so large that it would skew that, right? So if someone deposits right now, like 5 million USDC into Sturdy, it's going to materially affect the APY, right? Like materially mm -hmm. lower it. Um, and on, on the same token, there might be users who want to lever up, but there's only like, I think 3 million in liquidity available. And so at 10X leverage, it's like 300,000, right? Uh, yeah. And so some users want at minimum to lever up more. And so you kind of have this problem. Um, and so for that reason, I think it could make sense to have some kind of liquidity mining, uh, even though, you know, we've sort of deliberately avoided that to date to make sure that we can grow and build sustainably and build something that people want. There is that problem that you allude to where, um, you know, without liquidity, it, it really has a negative effect on the platform fu functionality. And so that would be something that goes through governance. It's kind of no longer uh, going to be in, on our hands once we launch the DAO uh, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, at that point, I imagine there will be a proposal and uh, ultimately it will be up to the users. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So with with the protocol protocol dynamics, like taking token out of out of the situation for for a second, um, how is kind of thinking from a purely business perspective here? How, how for the users that aren't aren't aware, how is the kind of revenue generated for the protocol, and um, is there other kind of paths to revenue generation further down the line? Yeah. So right now, the way it works is, as I mentioned, you have borrowers who are depositing interest-bearing assets like convex LPs as collateral. The yield from those, part of that's kept by the borrowers, right? Which is how they're getting this like leveraged yield. Part of that goes to the lenders to incentivize them to provide like USDC as liquidity. And then part of that right now, 10% goes to, to Sturdy. Um, and so that's the current model. I think uh, the future of that, and again, this is all like pending governance, 
is to deploy more structured products. That's really what we're the most excited about. So right now, if you want to lever up, it's kind of a, a somewhat tedious process, right? Like you, um, it's simple in that we allow you to do it in one click, but um, let's say you do that with convex fracture USDC and that's at like 20%, but then we launch chicken bonds and you're like, well, I really want to you know, switch over to chicken bonds. You have to deleverage and then lever back up. And that's a quite mm -hmm. a bit of gas, right? Cause it's a, a large operation where you're, you're doing a, a lot of different transactions at once. I think the future of Sturdy looks like some kind of um, structured product where you can just deposit like your USDC and then it will automatically deploy it into the best uh, leverage strategy. So maybe it will first go into Frax, uh, you know, USDC on Convex. Then when we launch chicken bonds, we'll automatically allocate a portion to that and it will socialize the gas costs for those sorts of operations. And in doing so, I think that's a product that can probably uh, have higher fees if it's at like 40% APY, right? You know, you're not going to mind if there's uh, like 4% of that sort of mm. uh, taken off as a fee. And especially for that kind of project or product that's a little bit more active, a little bit more involved, I think something like that makes sense. So so that's how I'm thinking about it is um, really building more like premium uh, products that are ultimately going to be able to justify higher fees. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, with regards to Convex, is there any... I know this is a little bit further down into the convex curve kind of onion, but is, is there any kind of protocols that you see as an additional layer on top of convex that are doing kind of good work in, in that ecosystem that you guys could tap into? Obviously, I think Redacted and Hidden Hand is a little bit of a different product, more um, focused around the bribes marketplace, but I know there was the likes of the was it Bent Finance and maybe Concave Finance as well. Um, Obviously, you factor in um, additional risk, more kind of smart, smart contract risky you guys take on. I was just wondering if there's any other kind of protocols that you see within that ecosystem that there could be good synergies with. Yeah, at the moment, the only protocols whose assets we support as collateral are Convex, um, Yearn, very soon Aura with the ETH market, uh, nice. and then like Lido just with their uh, naked LSD. Um, I think for others that we'd support, uh, definitely open to it. As you mentioned, it's really all about risk, right? Does the project have, you know, what, what does their governance look like? Is it under a multi-sig? Have they been audited? How long have they been in the market? You know, what's their TVL? All of these are really important considerations. Uh, and one thing that's great about the token is it'll no longer just be up to kind of folks who are on the contributing to it, right? Directly, it'll, it'll be more so up to the users to make those kinds of decisions and risk trade-offs because they're not easy, right? Like a lot of the protocols you mentioned, you can make great cases for and against. And I think it's important that those are made transparently and in a, a more democratic way. Um, so I'm not like, I don't have a, a great um, opinion on any of those and, and sort of which make the most sense. But I, I think the bottom line is that we're open to any of them. Um, and once governance is live, hopefully, folks will uh, go and be able to kind of make their opinions known on which other assets they'd like to see supported. Yeah, that's when it gets really powerful when you've kind of, it's difficult to be everywhere at once in this space with the amount of kind of new stuff that's getting built day in, day out. So that's when the kind of real power of governance come in. If someone spots a great opportunity, that's got great synergy. If it benefits them if they're a token holder to kind of push that proposal forward and gets voted on. So um, that'll be really interesting. Uh, it's kind of like um, crowdsourcing 
yield strategy ideas across the whole DeFi landscape, which is quite cool to see. Um, yeah, Jerry, if you got um, actually, is there anything we can touch on about token? Because I know we will get hung if we don't get if we don't ask <laughs> as much or as little detail as uh, or any early indication of um, what's kind of the on the roadmap from your side. Yeah, so um, right now we announced it uh, and, and the criteria. You can um, check out our Discord and um, yeah, our, our website if you're interested in learning more about that. I think I mentioned earlier it's going to go to sturdy users as well as partner protocols. Uh, so yeah, that's just like the airdrop. Um, it will be claimable likely by the end of January or early February. However, initially non-transferable. So you won't be able to, to do anything with it initially besides vote. Um, and then I think we're taking a really unique approach when it comes to utility and tokenomics and that sort of thing. I think the canonical approach is to, you know, split up like a, a pie chart into 50 slices and say, okay, we'll give like 2% to, um, whatever, right? Like LPing on the pool, we'll give 50% to liquidity mining and it's going to have like this curve. And rather than doing that, we're taking like a totally hands-off approach and saying, okay, uh, you know, we'll have some small amount to contributors and investors and likewise, but the vast majority, like 60% at least, is going to go to the treasury, um, which mm -hmm. is more or less the community gets to do whatever it wants. Um, and the reason why we're taking that approach is that I think it's important to be like flexible and agile and not get tied down in a very specific model that you're then kind of stuck to, to for, you know, the existence of the project, right? So if you think about what the best practices were for tokens two years ago, and then imagine how different they'll be two years from now, um, you know, I, I think it, it became clear, at least to us, that we didn't want to kind of tie ourselves into this very rigid framework on day one and instead give ourselves room to experiment uh, and adopt the best practices as they evolve. Yeah, this that's... We had a conversation with um, one of uh, our potential portfolio companies just on that distribution. Um, and I, I was just saying exactly the same thing. You need to hold more back um, with regards to kind of Dow Treasury because the, the landscape is just changing so quickly. And if you look at, as you say, if you take a look at what worked two years ago, look at the predicament that SushiSwap are in now where they're running out of emissions. The burn rate is extremely high. They've brought a new guy in. He's kind of cut costs about 50% across the board. But what do they then go and do now? Do they go and dilute um, and make a kind of mockery of the whole kind of immutable DeFi open source nature and open source and decentralized nature of, of um, tokens and assets in this space? Um, but yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I think if you do have that optionality with regards to the treasury, then that's great. The only kind of, I suppose, the flip side of that is if the DAO and the treasury is predominantly owning a lot of the token. It's how do you effectively put that to use without it becoming too inflationary for holders already? Do you look at kind of treasury swaps and put assets to use across different platforms? I know we're seeing GMX and redacted follow up with stuff like that at the minute. Um, do you try and bolster protocol on liquidity? Um, so there's, 
the good problems to have, but at least if you have the tokens held back, um, you have that optionality to kind of pursue any new kind of innovations that happen as they come forward and don't end up in a sticky situation like Sushio. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you raise that there are all these challenging questions. And I think the traditional approach is to have like a very small group of people try to figure out all those problems and the answers to all those questions on day one, right, in a way that can't be changed later on. And that's why you run into these problems. Whereas it's like, yeah, you still have to answer these questions, but you can do that over time in a more democratic way, in a way that uh, can evolve as, you know, we learn new information and best practices rather than being tied down. So, so that's kind of how we're thinking about it is just, um, you know, let's kind of like crowdsource the answers to these and mm. not rush to just, you know, the handful of folks on the team try to come up with all the answers uh, on day one. But, sorry, go on, Jerry. Uh, I was going to say that what I found interesting about the approach that Sturdy's taken is that you guys almost have made a concerted effort to try and do things differently and it's not just for the sake of doing things differently it's kind of like what are the problems um and and i think tokenomics is like one of those things that is conveniently like ignored because it's you know obviously because it benefits the founders it benefits the investors and all that kind of thing so you know like the guys try and drop the, the allocation of tokens to make it seem a little bit fairer but at the end of the day it's what grant was saying and the problems that are starting to emerge from the Maybe it's phase two of this experiment, you know, with the sushis and the rest of it dilution and, you know, like kind of almost putting that they, they put in all this hard work, but because of the very mechanism and the nature of the experiment from day one, it's kind of like doomed to encounter these problems. Is sushi, for example, and many others doomed to fail? I don't think so, but I think there's a painful and very hard learning process that's going to come out of that and those mistakes. And you guys have undertaken to, to kind of recognize what they are. And I'm sure there's others that you didn't even see coming. But that doesn't matter because you, you kind of like have gone down the line. Cool, that didn't work. Let's see what's going to work. I mean, there could potentially be a whole lot of problems with having like the whole crowd funding thing. And, you know, how does the weight, the token weights affect decision making process? But nothing's really going to be perfect until it, you know, until we kind of like go through the evolution. And it's going to be really interesting, obviously, keeping an eye on what it is that you guys are doing. And especially from a governance perspective, how it all plays out, you know, over the next year or two or three. And, you know, the role that you guys play and, and, and how that experiment develops. So it's not so much a question, but, you know, what are, how do you think it's going to play out? I mean, it's kind of like, I suppose the answer is, you know, you have this idea, but I mean, I think the right question is what could go wrong? You know, what are like kind of like potentially the, the pitfalls that, that you can see coming and that you guys have kind of like put in place. Um, and it'll be interesting to compare notes later on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think the way that I would like it to play out is basically a bunch of AB tests, right? So, um, Let's say, you know, we try a liquidity mining program and then we can kind of like sit back and say, okay, here's how it went. Here's how many tokens were distributed. Here's what it attracted in TBL and, and revenue and that sort of thing. Um, and then adjust, right? So we could say, okay, maybe let's try less or let's try more or let's try differently, right? Like maybe, you know, let's make a, a, like a boosted pair on Aura or Convex and like see what happens if we bribe towards that. Um, and so I think like there's a lot of really interesting options that we'll be able to experiment with 
uh, and then like whichever one works, we can just lean into, right? And, and kind of go hard on. Um, I think to the pitfalls, I mean, there's a lot of just issues with leaving stuff up to governance, right? Like uh, it can get like bogged down, it can get really bureaucratic. And so, you know, one thing that we wanna be thoughtful about is making sure that we have a process that encourages, or I guess discourages those things from happening and encourages uh, kind of like innovation and, and flexibility. Um, yeah, so to, uh, to avoid that. Uh, I, I think, yeah, that's probably the big one is just like making sure that it doesn't evolve into um, uh, a nightmare. I think the most a common failure case you see is that uh, you need, um, is that it's too centralized where like you don't get great participation. And I think the way that I would like to combat that is have governance be meaningful where you can actually decide on like important things um, as opposed to, yeah, it being just like kind of symbolic. Uh, and and I, I think that's part of it, but in some ways that's an open question, right? Is how to incentivize governance, how to get more people involved um, and yeah, how to like really effectively decentralize it. Well, the way you get more people involved is if you just keep your AP, APYs going and like you say, you know, constantly explore where the boundaries are and continue to provide value as, you know, the, the, the man that's at the helm of the ship. It's, it's really, that is what it's about. Um, you know, and, and, and the testimony to, to that is the fact that you guys started this thing like right in the depths of, of Hades and you managed to secure all this TVL, no token launch. Um, I mean, I don't know how you did it. I don't know if, what kind of bribery and if any corruption was going on, but I mean, that's <laughs> pretty impressive, sir. You know what I mean? So that's all it needs. It's kind of like, where, where are the best, where are the best players? And then being there before everybody else, you know, I mean, you guys have done it. So as long as that continues, then, you know, Sturdy's going to be around in the years to come. It, it really is that simple and kind of allowing yourselves the flexibility to adapt to the winds you know like kind of like the bamboo the bamboo in the wind as opposed to the steel structure you know and and that's what you guys have proven to do and if you continue doing it it'll be interesting to see how your experiment you know kind of evolves and develops so carry on doing what you're doing sir you did it in probably the most ridiculous and hard conditions possible so you know i mean so many guys just couldn't and I think it's going to be like, you know, you said when we started the interview, it looks like it's back. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it doesn't really seem to affect you guys. So um, look forward to seeing how that experiment evolves. So, yeah, well played. Sam, Sam can I ask a, a question about your thoughts on liquidity mining? Because sure. for, pro for a protocol that will, again, require liquidity at at scale, to scale, um, how do you think about the whole mercenary capital game? And do you think it's a bit zero sum where you know you're going to get people coming along just for just for incentives, and then kind of leaving as soon as there comes a new shiny, more, um, well, I suppose a, a higher opportunity elsewhere, and things like that. Is it, is there anything you've kind of considered and thought about? There are a few kind of um, weird and wonderful ways that I'm kind of seeing come on the markets to kind of prevent that and encourage kind of sticky liquidity and non-tourist mentality kind of thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think in a lot of ways, my 
attitude was uh, to try to avoid doing that possible yeah. to make sure that we did build something that didn't require uh, incentives just to work and, and to attract uh, liquidity. Um, I think, you know, and so I think a lot of has been said about sort of the downfalls, right? That attracts mercenary capital. Uh, and, you know, as you said, it can, you know, lead to issues when that dries up. Uh, and again, you know, we, we've tried to de-risk that by not uh, launching any kind of liquidity mining for so long. I think though there are some positives. Um, one thing that I was actually just talking about earlier on Twitter um, with uh, yeah, the, the founder of Euler is that um, <clears throat> initially the like baked in uh, risk, like smart contract risk of a platform is really high. Um, but that's going to like tend to decrease with time, right? Like the longer a project's been in the market, generally the lower the smart contract risk is. And <clears throat> so if you kind of just have like incentives being the inverse to that, like the, the, they kind of cancel out that risk, um, then it, it, there's like a decent case that you can make that you can kind of stay on a risk adjusted basis. You can have like your APY be neutral because over time you'll have your incentives trail off, but you'll also have your risk trail off. And uh, I really like that framework because it, it kind of, builds a case for why incentives can make sense in a way that is sustainable. Um, and I also like it because you've actually seen that play out with Aave, right? Like for initially, Aave had crazy liquidity mining incentives, was totally relying on them. Uh, and today their largest markets don't have them at all, right? Like I, I don't believe yeah. their V2 mainnet has that. And it's still like massive, right? Like way larger than any other project. And that's because they've been able to prove themselves, uh, you know, and, and demonstrate how low that their smart contract risk is in relative terms. Um, and so I, I think that's like a key part of it is just using uh, like liquidity mining incentives initially, especially when you're opening up a new market as we are for our ETH market. Um, but then as you kind of establish yourself really firmly, you demonstrate that the smart contract risk is relatively low, uh, you know, you start to trail them off. And so I, I think exactly what they did is a great model. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the, Kind of proof is in the pudding there that they're the largest protocol but they don't have any incentives yeah that's a good one and and maybe even kind of event-based emissions as opposed to you know as you were saying earlier don't just kind of think of something at t equals zero and then that's it set and set in stone for the history of the of the protocol so kind of playing it by ear if, as i say if you hold tokens back and have that optionality put into vote obviously you need to move quickly and I completely agree with um kind of DAO structure can get a bit bureaucratic, particularly in the in the early days and particularly when you need to move fast. I suppose it works a little bit better at scale when you're a little bit larger, but there seems to be a lot of conflicting opinions in this space, as you'll well know. But um no, I think it's I think that's a good answer. Um and again you can kind of look at it at the as a I suppose a web three version of a customer acquisition cost um and way up how much liquidity and how much kind of sticky liquidity and how many return users you're getting per token emissions. I know there was a someone that we know, Jerry, the someone out of the Eli Five DeFi camp. They're they're creating reports now for projects um, based on how much emissions do they have to pay per liquidity and how much is that liquidity worth to the protocol and kind of nice nice tidy data reports like that, which is quite interesting. I heard the Carvis from Lido. He's kind of heads that kind of aspect of Lido up. And that was a really good talk, actually, with the Tapioca guys. Um, but yeah, it's all, all things to be considered. It's, it's um, 
it's quite fun to kind of plan and kind of theorize all the all that all the kind of internal dynamics of the protocol. But um, I'm sure you guys have got it right. You've if, if you, you've shown product market fit with regards to with, without having a token. There's not many that can do that, as Jerry was saying, and <laughs> in how tough these times have been. I think um, so. Yeah, kudos. And um, I'm looking forward to see how how this whole thing plays out. I think it'll be a a roaring success. Yeah, I think the like the other thing that that really interests me on a greater narrative is you know participation as a protocol on say mainnet for example, which you, obviously you guys have nailed down. Um, but then you've got you know like the narrative around Arbitrum and and the fact that you know Arbitrum's obviously really shooting the lights out at the moment, like really doing well. A lot of a lot of protocols coming in there, and I was just curious. What is your perspective around kind of like doing stuff on on other chains um, and other ecosystems? Is it something that you've explored? And you know, like, what is the perspective around that at the moment? Yeah, I don't know if we discussed this last time, but we actually initially launched on Phantom, like when Solidly was popping off. Um, but yeah, then kind of as you know that that wound down, we focused much more on Ethereum, but. Uh, I think going forward, we really want to fine tune the protocol um, on mainnet and sort of make sure that um, we establish ourselves there, like that we have great liquidity before we jump somewhere else. I, I think it tends to be a mistake when projects launch on like a bunch of different chains before they've really solidified product market fit uh, and brand awareness and that kind of thing. So I, I think in the interim, like that's kind of what's on my mind is just mainnet, mainnet, uh, you know, how do we grow there, right? Uh, how do we improve the protocol? Um, I think eventually, though, it, it definitely makes sense. Arbitrum, as you mentioned, probably the top contender at the moment. But who knows, you know, two months, three months from now, things can just totally change. Um, but yeah, I think the great thing about our model is it really works anywhere that there's great yield. Uh, and certainly in Arbitrum, you have that in spades with GLP and it's like 80 different Delta neutral variants at this point. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, uh, yeah, like a, there's definitely a lot of really attractive options. And I think that that will continue to be true in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, you know, I think the, the, the robustness of the protocol and its ability to move around if needed you know, whether it's using layer zero, whether it's just going and setting up shop, I think it's going to be really important, you know, in terms of what it is that you guys are looking to achieve. And I think it's going to get super competitive at some point in time that you might have to do that and have the, I don't know, the ability to do it kind of like at the drop of a hat without obviously sacrificing, you know, the, the, the standard and the security and all that good stuff. Because I know that, I mean, we chatted about this um the last time and that is the importance of security and doing your audits and paying that money and bringing the best guys that you could possibly bring in to do that for you and essentially if you don't go the low zero route i mean even then you still got to do those audits it's kind of like you know irrespective so it's going to be that's another interesting thing to observe not only with you know sturdy but just in general how you know how do you capture you know those those yields if you aren't cross-chain and then how that that's going to affect your business if you're not prepared and i think being prepared is going to be really critical in that especially for apy chases um 
and trying to obviously capture the guys that are looking for the best APYs. So, yeah, I think that's going to be your challenge. Is not whether you're capable of providing this amazing product. It's whether you can continue to do so and continue to be competitive on other chains. Um, I mean, mainnet is in, insanely insane. The liquidity is there. But look at what what's happening with Arbitrum. I don't think Arbitrum's kind of like a flavor. I think Arbitrum is an extension of mainnet, and it's just starting to entrench itself. And it's going to be interesting to see to what extent other chains can do that, if they can. So, I mean, that's another experiment that we you know, just have to sit back and observe. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I imagine that if when they do launch a token, it's going to be, you know, gangbusters because it's already so crazy so i, I think um yeah i, I totally mm -hmm. agree with your assessment i think that it is here to stay what's the future for sturdy from this point onwards i mean besides the governance stuff i mean you've been very clear about you know like not being the central voice which is which is great i mean it's you guys have approached it in my opinion in the correct way are you guys going to stick around or are there other projects and ideas that are coming to your, to your attention that you'd like to kind of like add to what Sturdy is, or is it just more of the same for now and kind of assess later? Yeah. I mean, I, to me, we're so, so like early on in our journey that building out the core product is really all that we uh, have like time and, and energy for. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned the ETH market, there's no reason why we can't do that with other assets too, like uh, Bitcoin, you know, and um, like interest bearing versions of Bitcoin. It's not as popular, but if there's demand for that, you can always do it. Um, <clears throat> and then just like more assets, right? So uh, as like Rocket Pool ETH, once their Chainlink Oracle goes online, we'd love to have uh, them supported as collateral, probably Coinbase ETH at some point, adding them and the, you know, LPs. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned on the stablecoin market, chicken bonds, and, and just like more of those assets, improving the user experience. I think the structured product one is going to be the big one, probably in Q2. Like that's going to be the main focus mm -hmm. as far as like, you know, my personal opinion, um, just because it, that like is going to simplify it so much and being able to have a, a consistent track record that says, Hey, this product has earned like 40% APY, 30% APY, whatever it is. Uh, I, I think that's going to be really, really compelling and save users a ton of gas and time. Um, yeah, I, I would say that like for the first half of the year, that's kind of the, the big, uh, big ticket items. And then I think moving into the second half, probably that's when we start to think more seriously about other chains um, and like Arbitrum, you know, especially is top of mind. So yeah, that's how I think about it. But Again, I mean, yeah. A, like it's, of course, all to governance. And then B, things can change so quickly um, in half a year that it's just a little bit hard to project out. Cool. Completely Great agree. answer. Cool, gentlemen. I look forward to watching the development of Sturdy.Finance. Um, we'll, we'll be... We'll be reporting on what it is that you guys are doing. We love your products. Um, I know there's a couple of our community members that were taking full advantage. So, <laughs> yeah, well done. Um, so, they'll keep us on our toes. So, we'll definitely be letting people know what you guys are up to. And and hopefully, we can chat again, 
you know, come come Q2, see what you guys are up to. Um, good luck out there, sir. Keep it, keep it going. Maybe when we speak again, we really will be back and your TVL will be a good 50, 60 mil. Let's see. 100. Yeah. 100. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Yeah. It's good to well, see you, Sam. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah, anytime, thanks, Sam. Anytime. Take care, sir.